Hi, I'm Michael Sestouli, and welcome to Cinemates, a podcast where a bunch of mates chat about cinema over some drinks. In this episode, I'm joined by Cinemates team member Angus Newell, along with the Cinemates regulars Spencer Fay and Tom Costigan. And together with Angus, Spencer, and Costi, we discuss Christopher Nolan's historical epic Oppenheimer, starring Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, and many more. While drinking some Brewdog Hazy Jane IPAs, we chat about Killian Murphy's stunning performance the film's masterful editing and score, and what made Oppenheimer so special. As always, make sure you're following Cinemates wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a five-star review to support us. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Cinemates. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Get it. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, now. Angus, Spencer, Costi, welcome yet again, regulars. How are you all going this Saturday morning? Good, man. Oppies. Yeah, oppies. Let's do it. Couple of oppies. Before we do, massive episode. Quick shout out to our amazing sponsors for this episode. Brewdog Australia, Carbon Negative, Craft Beer Brewer based in Brisbane. And today, you guys have already drank their other stuff, but we're going to be drinking the Hazy Jane IPA. What do you guys think? I've got the hair of the dog, so thank you to Brewdog <laughs> for the Hazy Jane. <laughs> yeah, Tastes nice. delightful. So yeah, going down a treat. Yeah, very smooth. Oh, incredibly smooth. <laughs> I've <laughs> had it before, so it's always It's, it's always, always great. Drop. Yeah, nice. Let's get in though. Oppenheimer, what a film. One word and five star rating. Who wants to kick it off? Uh, noise and <laughs> 4.5 stars. Okay. Uh, my mom, one word would be masterpiece. Mm. And, uh, four and a half. Really? Mes- yep. Mesmerizing and yeah, four and a half. Okay. Nice. Yeah, what, do my, you what do you reckon this guy's going to do? <laughs> Obviously a five. Uh, and my one word was Christopher. And we'll talk about as in Nolan, <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um, let's just dive in. Uh, I just want to say I think the reason for my word Christopher is I think that all his other movies and bodies of work, like um, unique traits that they all had, culminated in this one. Like the scale of it, um, the IMAX cameras, the amazing cast, the time jumps, time jumps, intertwining, intertwining rather like plot lines like it's all just amazing yeah it, it is like very much a greatest hits of nolan's whole career like the mm. cross cutting at first is a bit disorienting but like once you kind of figure out what periods you're in i think um you're just along for the ride and it, yeah and that three hours felt like <laughs> you just like literally a half what, an hour what time yeah. period you're in based on like killian's like scruffy hair based it's on like, how aged he looks <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i was thinking it just never like um has a moment to let up Mm. I mean, it just starts. I think like the first it's, it has that little tale about Prometheus, and it's it gave you know humans the fire, and then they essentially destroy mm. themselves. And it's kind of a metaphor for what's about what's about to transpire for the next three hours. And it just doesn't let you sit there and kind of ponder for any for like 10, mm. 20 seconds. And one thing I know we'll talk about it a lot is the music and the sound design of this yeah. whole movie and Ludwig's score. It just it, there's there's not a lot of scenes where it's just dialogue. Mm. There's always like a little bit of music, which is kind of is underneath um, each scene, which I found yeah. really really interesting and fascinating. Obviously, music's been such a big part of Nolan's filmography so far, and so I thought just that 
me and Spencer joked about it on the way here. He hates a hates a linear narrative. <laughs> hates so, it. I Never hates ever a tell a story chronologically. No, loves non non linear, and that goes back to Memento, which is one of his early best. But yeah, yeah. I think it was just as you said before, Mike, a culmination of everything he's done. And from what I've seen, all the interviews he's given, it kind of feels like this is the movie that he's most proud of mm. to date so far. And he's kind of put everything into it. Yeah. I read something, um, someone's review saying like, Nolan is really bad at like character studies or like, um, mm. like, like individual, like diving into individuals in a movie. Yeah. Um, and like, he sort of just blew that, blew that yeah. out of the water in this one. hundred percent. Yeah. It's it, like, for the first time in a while, I think the general response, everyone has walked out of this movie with like not as much doubt. Like everyone walked out of Tenet and there were some who hated it, some who loved it. Mm. I think the response to this has been overwhelmingly yeah. positive. I think the thing with Tenet as well is, and I think that this happens a lot with Nolan, is the, uh, why yeah, some of his detractors is I think the gimmick, I don't want to, gimmick is probably too much of a negative word, but I think that a lot of the time it's style over substance when people think of Nolan and I think that was a big way in Tenet and as you said mm. Gus like with the character study I, I spoke about it with my brother last night and he said he can't really remember a movie recently where the the main character like Killian Murphy's um, Oppenheimer is in almost every single mm. scene yeah and the whole movie I know the, the movie's called Oppenheimer so it's a given but the whole movie is just yeah. framed around him and he's in every like that I can't I really can't remember a scene where he's he's, he's not in there. a mm. yeah. Yeah. Maybe when they're like letting off the bomb and they pan pan to another yeah, like but site. Yeah, it's and it's there. it's just all about him, and it's kind of like a rise and fall. Even though it's non non linear, it's a rise and fall, and he, he gets his kind of comeuppance in the end. But it's it's all centered to re- centered around Oppenheimer, the character, mm. and that can't work well unless you've got a, a performer there who's r- really willing to put in everything into his performance. And the way that he's worked with Killian Murphy a number of times beforehand, but it's just a perfect casting in my mm. opinion he just does a spectacular job so good i think what i found with killian's performance which we can unpack massively but and even the other cast is like you see all these famous people especially killian like you think of like scarecrow peaky blinders all the other things he's done but when he came into this like he was just like oppenheimer mm. and you didn't think about it because he just like portrayed the character so well and like he still gives he still gives me Tommy Shelby vibes when he's Does on he? screen. Like he was giving a few, <laughs> he knows he how was giving a few speeches, like capturing like yeah. the the audience in the movie, and you're mm. like, ah, oh, yeah, he's yeah. A bit a bit of Tommy about him there. Yeah. Probably like the best um, cigarette smoker. Mm. And just Kelman sort of TV. dangles out of his mouth. Yeah, just he just dangles. lets a <laughs> He had the pipe as well. Oh, Gosling's pretty good too. In the nice guys, Gosling, Gosling, let it let, let it dangle, dangle around. <laughs> out of the top lip. I'm going to reference this a lot because I read this uh, Roger E. Burt review of Oppenheimer, and I would say that I subscribe to their sort of like criticism of film and uh, Matt Zola Zeltz or Seltz rather uh, wrote this amazing piece and one thing he said was like as a physical experience Oppenheimer is something else entirely and it's hard to say exactly what and that's what's so fascinating about it we saw it on Thursday you saw it last night Costi I sort of in the past day or whatever it's been I've just been like, what did I like see? Like it was a... You really have to mull it over. Yeah, it was like a history biopic, which, you know, at the start of the movie, we're seeing him at his like university and stuff. And you think it's going to play out like a normal, like biography about someone, but then it just 
turns into this different beast and your emotions are taken in every corner and your heart rate's fucking up and down. So I just thought, like, I don't know. I still don't know what to think. This, like, speaks to why Nolan gets to make movies like this. I think um, something I thought about a lot was, like, A Beautiful Mind. Mm. And... That movie I thought was very similar in the way it started, but then when you when it really starts to propel forward and they're getting the Manhattan Project going, that's when you realise like Nolan is the only one that can like get this over the line. Mm. Yeah, I think and make it fascinating. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a model like our our kind of generation Spielberg, where he mm. can he can do kind of like the artsy stuff, but he, he I think he's kind of the only one really now who can. Do it. Uh, it's, it's this is not really original. Like it's based on something that's happened in the past, but it's kind of a, like it's not based on a comic book or whatever. And he can just it's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's a worldwide box office like commercial big popcorn movie. And yeah, it's just it, uh, what you were saying about that kind of physical mm. reaction to it. I was speaking um, last night to my brother, and like kind of our misconceptions heading into the movie. We kind of thought, and I was speaking about it speaking about this with Spencer beforehand, I kind of thought the movie was going to culminate with dropping the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki mm. and it were everything everything would be leading up to that. But when that happens, I remember looking at my watch, I just wanted to see where we were placing the movie and we still had an hour left. Another, mm. another third act. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, where is this Where is this going to take us? Mm. And, uh, and, that's, I, and I really, really like that. I'm, I just didn't expect that to happen at all. So the way that... I was kind of like, it didn't really give a lot in the trailer. I thought it was just all going to lead up to dropping yeah. the bombs in Japan. And then, and I didn't know a lot about the story with Oppenheimer. So to find out everything that happened after, yeah, I thought that like was really same. interesting too. Yeah. It's really, you get sort of like two different <coughs> like movies in a sense. Like mm. you've got that edgier seat build up to creating the bomb and dropping it and testing it for the first time. And then you get like the political sphere afterwards. Mm. And, bo- and both of them were like edge of your seat. Like yeah. spine tinglers. Like, oh fuck. Let's be honest. If the marketing didn't like just say this is a film about a bomb like we probably wouldn't have rushed to see it as quickly as we did yeah well they sold us on the bomb and Mm. that's what got us in there the third act i don't think was in the trailer at all no no i think wasn't much of there wasn't much of rdj in the trailer no no yeah only like flashes and like one-liners yeah yeah and i agree with like an hour left you're still kind of like wait there's been all these characters and massive actors who've had like one second like why were they even here? Before, and then you see why. Yeah, and then before that, I mean, you saw Rami Malek pop up twice, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything at all. Like, there's one scene where he's taking notes and Killian Murphy grabs his pen and, and, throws, like, it and throws it away. And then another one where he just walks up to him with his pad and yeah. smacks it out of his hand. Yeah, yeah. and so I was waiting for him because I was like, they're not getting Rami Malek Oscar winner to come in and just stand there in the <laughs> yes. back and do nothing. Standing there. So I was waiting. Although I wish they did. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty funny to be honest. I was waiting for him to kind of have his his moment really. Mm. And yeah. yeah, the way that they just formulated it was really, was really good. Gary, yeah. Gary Oldman for like three minutes. Man, it's just like I wish I didn't look at IMDb and, before. And I, the movie. I, I, yeah. I had no idea. And he would have, and he would have had like twelve, like maybe like eight hours in makeup to like yeah, give to him like that like fat Casey, face. Yeah. Like Casey Affleck as well just yeah. walks yeah. up for a scene. He was scary. Yeah, he scary. was menacing. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, all those sort of payoffs, and we can jump all over the place. All those sort of payoffs were just so good. Like he took you down a road after the Trinity test. Let's say with like Rami Malek's character, like. Oppenheimer's been really dismissive of him and you think he's going to come in as the, like, um, witness to the Senate hearing, like, dis- uh, 
gracing Oppenheimer. Yeah. But for him to come around, you're like, yes, like fuck you, Stross. <laughs> yeah. Um, and same with uh the. What's his name? Han Solo guy played oh, by Elric. El- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was really good. So good. Yeah. And again, you think he's just like this assistant at the start, and you're like, like, why is he here? And you get all these like early little um, uh, sort of filters in of these like uh, plot devices that you think aren't going to get addressed. You weren't, you weren't in, do. you weren't in the movie as a character if you didn't have like an integral role. Mm. Even like however small it was, like he used yeah. he used the characters as like different tools and pieces to pivot. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think our questions were de- like going into this film I was like why are there so many good actors in this film mm. like it was really like is this necessary yeah and I think having like actors that are all so good make Oppenheimer seem that much more important and every facet of like his life and the court case and everything mm. I think just was made to be much more intense because like these actors have all won Oscars Golden Globes mm. and everything and they're just all making Oppenheimer seem like he's the guy yeah yeah. Especially because, like, at the start of the movie, when we see that he's getting, um, not testified, but he's in that, like, prosecution room. hearing, board, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was thinking, like, Emily Blunt was literally sitting in frame in the camera. Out of focus. Out of focus for, like, 20, 30 minutes. And not I was like, anything, yeah. is she going to, like, do anything? And she, do- and she doesn't have a first line of dialogue yeah. for, like, 40 minutes. Yeah, but I, I love that because you have these big names and you're like, when are they going to get their moment? And they just all do. I think the only one of the criticisms I would have, and this has been a long time criticism of Nolan, is his ability to kind of flesh out and make, especially his female characters, kind of real life three D, three dimensional characters. And I think a lot of the times, like in in his movies, the the females are in service of the men. Mm. And I get it in this in this <laughs> sense as well. But I, I just feel like there could have been a bit more given to Emily Blunt's character, and especially. Mm. Florence Pugh's character as well, who we haven't spoken about, but um, what is her name? Jean Trant or Jean Tant. Yeah. And she kind of plays the communist and the, the love interest of Killian Murphy early on. I, th- I thought that could have been fleshed out maybe a little bit more. Maybe give me one or two scenes more with Florence Pugh, one or two scenes more with, mm. with Emily Blunt and maybe cut out something else. So that would probably be my only criticism of the mm. movie. Yeah, I wonder if it would have been longer and there might have been scenes. That I feel, like, I feel like we characters. got maybe like one or two many scenes of, of him – like lecturing his pupils or like yeah. them coming up with ideas. Yeah. Like we saw that multiple times. They could have yeah. had like a better, um, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I just feel like they showed they showed one scene when they get on like Los, Los Salmos, I think mm. that's what it's called. And like when they first get there, no, 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 it's, it's before that. Sorry, it's before that. He gets home um, and Emily Blunt is just there sitting with a like a big bottle of alcohol, like whiskey, yeah. vodka, whatever yeah. it is, and the baby's crying. Mm. And then we just don't come back to that. And that he gives the baby. You don't, you don't revisit that sort of like that, um, family dynamic. Like, why is she in that? Why is she in that mindset? Like, and then after that, they kind of have their trials and tribulations, but that just they don't come back to that whatsoever. Mm. And that's kind of like one of the criticisms I would have of it. I think that was just in there to show that they needed to to get give out. the pay, yeah. baby away. Um, but it would have been interesting to unpack it more. That's like, so noisy. Like did, that, did they, to get the baby back eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. And they had another kid as well. All right. Yeah. I think you could take little stories within the Oppenheimer story that could be their own yes. film almost like that the relationship between oh, like Kitty Oppenheimer and marriage story yeah where where, <laughs> where where I think like he's definitely redeemed on the female front at least a little bit is how Emily Blunt kind of stands up for yes. him at the end uh, yeah. and that yep. is that's not something often that the female characters have ever no. shown you've got like Marion Cotillard just jumping out a window and haunting Leo and mm. um, Tenet you've got like the Upset wife, the whole yeah, movie, yeah. Baby, yeah. 
So I think there was like dark, it was actually dark night. You've just yeah, she doesn't really do anything. Yeah, no, she's she's bad. Yep. Yeah, Murph. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah, Emily Blunt. Like when she comes home and gives it to what's his face the. Ed Teller. That was so fucking boss. Jason Clark. Yeah. yeah. No, no. She's uh, like, it's your phrasing. Oh, yeah. Like she's yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. She owns him. And also doesn't shake uh Safdie's hand. Mm, at the end. <laughs> at the end. What <laughs> so was good. what was um Emily Blunt's character's like um Yeah, was she like a lawyer or yeah. something? Yeah. Um, biology. Lawyer. Biology. Yeah. And mm. she knew somehow knew she all still this, owned like, him, yeah. Like lawyer terms. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah grammatical like editing. How like smart she was and she was one of the only people who like understood who Oppenheimer was. Yes. Can I ask with, um, so when I was talking about before about kind of, I thought it was going to build up to, I thought the movie was going to build up in crescendo about the, mm. the Nagasaki bomb. Did you like it? How it was like, and we can talk about the scene. I think one of the scenes we all love is the, the Trinity testing mm. and that, and that, that builds up for like 15 minutes. Did you like how they, they built that up and everything was kind of centered around that? And then me and Spencer kind of joked about it. And then five minutes later, they find out about the dropping of the bomb, like just on the radio. And it's kind of, I don't want to say it's kind of glossed over, but when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, okay. They just find out on the radio and then that's kind of it. No, so they see they see the two bombs like leave Los Alamos. Leave, yeah. yeah. They're like, okay, like they're taking them. Mm. But it's kind of I like guess they don't control. really know yeah. when it's going to happen. And so did, did you like, did, uh, I, I mean, I still liked it. I was just kind of, again, as I said before, just kind of caught, caught off guard. I think mm. I think that's the effect. If you're caught off guard, that's probably how they felt. Yeah, that's the they, they had they no power around the decision. Like once it went into the American yeah. government's hands. Um, they just sort of had to sit back and wait for the after effect. Yeah, yeah, like the main shock, I guess, is when Oppenheimer makes that like speech to everyone and just starts to lose it. And that's when like the delusions and the burning faces like kind of mm. just pop up on the screen. And that's I think where my word noise comes into it. Yeah. <laughs> he was so noisy. It's and I think, I think a big part of it is like how brilliant he was. And this is why what you said, Gus, about how it's a great character study, how brilliant Oppenheimer was. He was also like, he was flawed in the sense of he was very naive. Like mm. he's creating this atomic bomb and he thinks that creating this is going to end all wars and it's going to end, like this is going to be the final weapon. And there's a scene, I remember there's a scene where some of the, like the technicians and the engineers um, and all the physicists, they, um, they've they created like a little group because it's the end of World War II. Mm. Hitler's um, killed himself, Germany surrendered. So they're all kind of th- um, thinking, why, like why, are, we why just, are we still creating yeah. the bomb? And then he comes in and says, mm-hmm. well, we need to create this bomb so Japan surrenders and so we never get to this point again and then we can give this to the United Nations. So I think in that sense, like, a part of him was also, like, he's, like, he's kind of arrogant. Like, he wanted to finish it. He wanted he to, just, he just wanted to he win. Just, he's a theorist. He had this yeah. theory in his head and he wanted to, you know, put it to life. But I think mm. he was naive in the sense of, well, you know, no destruction yeah, is going like to come from he's this. Got like, he's obviously... Like a genius at, mm. at physics. If he was a genius in psychology, he'd realize that like the human race is never going to stop at a certain point. They always yeah. want bigger and better things. So mm. like, oh, I've done the atomic bomb. Let's do the H bomb now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. someone's built the atomic bomb. Every country needs to try build the atomic bomb. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. not going to just be like, okay, yeah. let's let's cease it there. That was like one of the, the important questions at the end that I was just like, it's just a big dilemma. They, I think they asked him. It's like, at what point of this process did you? start having sympathy like or start thinking about like the morality effects. morality yeah. yeah and it was like because the whole time you were just along with him being like mm. all right let's make this bomb and then when it actually made you're like okay let's maybe just not use it <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's uh test it off somewhere else yeah i think like the i was blown away at how smart he was like 
me and Angus were talking when we were going home. He's talking with uh, Colonel or Lieutenant Gross, Matt Damon's Gross, character yeah. at the start, um, and it's like a job interview, but he's um, like trying to persuade Damon into why he should be the director that, of the that project. Was, that was my favourite scene. Yeah, and yeah. he's like talking, he's like, well, like why, why is like Germany and Hitler already way further ahead and why are we going to catch up to them or whatever? And he's like, one word, anti-Semitism. And he's thinking like 10 steps ahead. Mm. He like knows that there's obviously the anti-Semitic views in Germany with Hitler. So, you know, even though it's like Jewish scientists making it, they're going to delay it. And like he's thinking like so far ahead. So I sort of was taking that naivety is like... He turned around Damon walking in just to like assess him into like convincing Damon that he's the only one for the role. He could talk his way into anything, and, and that's, that's how why, he like wins all these. That's people. why the like the other physicians said like you, you've you've sort of dropped physics. You're you're now just a politician. Yeah, yeah. He, exactly. He wasn't just your typical physician nerd that sort of yeah. just like tucked away, doesn't have any social skills. He was mm. so smart, and then also so like a human interaction and stuff. Like smart with that, like emotional being a womanizer, emotional yeah. intelligence. Manipulation. Yeah, I just think he, his character is so complex in that way. We could go into any direction and he's like, yeah, just insane. I, that's what has probably, for me, made it still like something that I think about. And it's, he's in the whole thing. So there's so many like facets of his character that just are just so rich and deep. And yeah, it is that first sort of character study. One thing in this uh, Roger Ebert review that was also talked about, which kind of relates to that, is... There's a big motif of like water ripples at the start of the movie. There's like rain droplets um, when he's kind of getting roasted by Stross in the um, uh, council meeting. Mm. Uh, Oppenheimer has these visions looking at the map of like all the bombs. Yeah, that I noticed that. And but they were like, like kind of ripples. ripples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this review talked about how, um, you know, there's this domino effect of decisions. Mm. And, you know, the principle of that is like through the ripples and – you know, we get all those examples of it, but it's like Oppenheimer's naive sort of decisions of like, you know, having an affair and um, with uh, Florence Pugh's character. Uh, he also breaks up Emily Blunt's marriage to be with her. Yeah. Mm. Like all these decisions that he makes, his political career gets ruined because he pissed off Strauss and that led to them. Well, he's got the communist thing. links as well because he has the affair with Florence yeah. Pugh's character. And so there's, his brother, and his as brother well, as yeah, well. yeah, there's all these decisions that he makes that have these ripple effects outside of the bomb, which I just found so interesting. And I guess like when you're, the, when you're such a prominent public figure mm. that he becomes, like anything in your past just gets dug up and like that has that ripple effect. Yeah. If you're just an, an average Joe walking the streets, like there's no ripples for you, basically. Mm. You can sort of do some edgy stuff and no one will ever know about it yeah. but you're, you get put under a spotlight yeah it sure. was it was really interesting like because i didn't read up much on the story how a lot of the intellectuals <laughs> that he surrounded himself with were actually members of the communist party and i thought mm. that was that added like a lot of tension in how scrutinized he was by matt damon and all the mm. like everyone in the government yeah it would have been a thing can't. that he just doesn't care about your like political views or something like that he just mm. wants to work with the greatest minds he was a fence yeah. i like he yeah yeah um we talked about Two scenes which I think we should unpack. First one, the Trinity test, and second, the rev up speech. Should we? Should we you delve in? Trinity, you want to do the Trinity Let's test? Let's do Trinity first. Yeah, yeah. I think, like you said, Costi, it was just such a culmination of everything, and it just really built up in the like landscape shots of shots of like Los Alamos, and then building the um, 
rig, I guess, of where the bomb was going to go off and just the sound it's like design. The, it's like the There amazing. Will Be Blood oil rig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like when he like climbs up it into yeah. the darkness. And I think just like the whole process and whipping and waving was just amazing. What about when they're, when they're taking bets on like what's, what's going to mm. happen and then one of the blokes goes, yeah, like 50 on destroying the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. And Matt Damon's like, what? What was that? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, there's a lesser zero chance of that happening. Yeah, yeah. Near, yeah near zero. Yeah. Like, well, I can't, I can't guarantee that it won't happen. Mm. I can give you the smallest number closest to zero. It's insane. Yeah. And I think seeing the whole process as well was really interesting. I was thinking like, um, similar to Air, this is a movie which we know the end result of, mm-hmm. but it's all about the process. And so to see the test, like you had these sort of ideas of how it was going to play out, but they just, every turn, every corner was a surprise. Well, there was, sorry, so there was one instance as well where one of the scientists, remember when, so like Robert Oppenheimer, his brother, um, Josh Peck's character, they're kind of like in the <laughs> little cabin. Yeah. something and then there's uh, one of the scientists like right before it's, it's about to go off he like runs outside mm. and wants to view it and in my mind I'm like oh shit should he be outside like what happens yeah. if something happens yeah so it's again it's like that little moments of doubt yeah, which, he didn't have his little he didn't have his little like looking glass yeah he didn't have his glasses I was like oh is something gonna happen to him so yeah. it's like yeah we know what's we know the end result but again just like the tension and my heart was beating so fast mm. it's like I was in a horror movie yeah uh it was just yeah and it was am- and then I uh, mean Spode talked about it so the bomb goes off Silence, and then mm. there's like that. What jump, and there's a jump scare. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely. And then there's like that 10, 15 second delay, and then just bang. I think just before he also says like destroyer of yeah, worlds. Yeah, says the quote. Yeah, and you're like, whoa. Well, what about also he says like the half of it, right? Being your yeah, heart yeah. rate so fast. What about Josh Peck's like fingers hovering over oh, yeah, like over the big red button? Great handshake yeah. from him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, I'm so glad he was the one to press the button as well. <laughs> we didn't press it. That was, was pressing the, it, that stopping was the, it. Yeah, that was oh. the like retract. it was going to go off anyway. Yeah. Just okay. in case, I it think was like if if this if this little needle goes below twenty and mm. stays there, like press the button because oh, yeah. it's, gonna it's just up. like another instance of like like you said, Michael, like just little bits that kind of create this little bit of doubt. And I think that like twenty minute stretch there, like mm. from when they're like okay five fifty, we're doing it, and then it's Matt Damon and him talking, and then the rain, and yeah, it's just like. I don't think I've seen Nolan just kind of like put a sequence like this together. Yeah. Like where you're genuinely like, holy shit. Yeah. Even, did you guys have like anxiety when they were like lifting the bomb? Yep. Yes. Putting it up and you can see Oppenheimer's like reaction. He's just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, it was just and so people like, are touching things. He's like, oh. They're like oh. putting pins in and you're like, mm. oh fuck, whatever it like goes off. So I read, Um, I was watching something last night and when they were putting, like putting the the bomb in when they first tried it, it didn't it didn't work in real life oh, shit. because it was too hot. So they needed it to cool down so it would get smaller, and then they could place it inside. Oh, wait, like in the movie oh, set? So no, no, on, in real oh, life. Real life. In real life. Wow. So when they first tried to put it in, they couldn't. Oh, because they're in the middle of the desert. <sighs> yeah. So they had to wait. Like I don't, I can't remember how long they had to wait, but they actually had to wait um, for those metal pieces to yeah, like to get smaller, and then they could put. Imagine it in. working on it and. Having to prepare it and yeah. do all that assembly. Crazy. What like, about trying to put this piece in? You're like, okay, once I put this piece in, it's it's done. I can walk away, and yeah. then it's too big. You're like, oh fuck. <laughs> also, they were like, this is probably really dumb of me, but I've just been like sucked into the story at this point. But when it started raining, I was like, oh shit! Like the weather could fuck this whole thing yeah. up. No, I, it was I like was, heavy was, wind. I thought it was gonna like <laughs> yeah. blow the bomb like off this like yeah. little rickety thing that they'd built and just like fall on the ground and explode. Yeah. I was fully it's under it. the impression that like it would 
put all this radiation into like the air and then the rain. I think that might have happened in Chernobyl. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. it rained it and it was like mm. radiation coming down. Yep. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, like all these, like for some reason I thought like Safety and everyone were genuinely just going to like burn up. Yeah. Something. What did he put on his face? Like sun cream. Vaseline. Vaseline. Okay. Yeah. Was it just sun cream? Is it rubbed in? It looked, it looked grey. <laughs> Until somebody <laughs> builds a bigger bomb. <laughs> um, fuck, yeah. I think it was just... I, I, I sort of looked around because we had a whole row in our cinema and like everyone was just leaned forward and just like, holy shit. And then I think, yeah, the choices that they made just to surprise us the whole way was amazing. And what was really interesting was seeing... Um, like the different distanced groups that were from the bomb and how it like would um, impact them. Yep. But I was sort of thinking like, do they, all the people, did they all die of cancer? Like, cause they were near a bomb. Like, didn't they, well, later they're, in they're all pretty smart. Didn't they like work out the chemical radiation they did like the radius, radius as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they were even further. Like right. Back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did Oppenheimer die? Do we know? We don't Question. know. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, other scene, the rev up uh, speech when he like starts right having after. the hallucinations. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah, what do th- you guys think? Of uh, that? I think that's when that's when he starts to realize, oh shit, what have, what have I done? Mm. Like what? Like now I now I am become death destroyer mm. of worlds. Yeah, like he said the quote twice now, but he's now fully okay. Shit, this is going to work now, mm. and now I'm going to see like. The ends justify the means in his in his eyes, but yeah. and he has those hallucinations. He sees, you know, it, it was it was really weird. Like so weird. saw a, like a person just full of ash on the ground. He saw another couple crying. He walks outside. He sees a guy vomiting. Yeah, Roderick rules from yeah. Diary of Wimpy Oh, was that him? <laughs> yeah, that was him. Oh wow, I didn't even realize. <laughs> I, I think he was just vomiting though because he was. Like Belted. drunk, right? Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was. He but was, I took it as what he Tom was said. kind yeah. of. He was kind of watching people on the way out just go amongst their normal lives, like kissing under the grandstand, vomiting because they were too drunk. Everyone's celebrating, and we know like what the Hiroshima bomb did. Yeah. Mm. And Oppenheimer, like you can just see in his eyes, he's yeah. like, "What have I done here?" Yeah. So I think there was just like this sense of dread that you started to feel mm. when that happened, and yeah, like the subjective approach he took to like the hallucinations is something that I've never seen Nolan do before. Yeah. I, think, I think it was his, his, like the characters like <laughs> really. Besides mm-hmm. Shutter Island a bit. Well, that it's exactly, yeah, like having those hallucinations. It's like very Shutter mm. Island. And you see you got massive anxiety from it as well. Yeah. Like a, it happens later on in the film when Jason Clarke is um, interrogating him and yeah. it starts to kind of go black and white. Oh, and it doesn't have to go like the it light, really the, light. It goes yeah. really, really bright, like the bomb's about to be dropped. And then like some of the, they start kind of like going ashy mm. and he kind of zones out. He's like, He's like stuttering. You like never seen him. Yeah. Like so I think, I think, uh, yeah. So like I think mojo. after maybe, I don't know, mental describing here, but I think he, like his anxiety just kind of goes through the roof because mm. he, like, he realized what he's created. Yeah. I think the way that it plays out as well, like you got all the crowd sort of banging on the, um, Grandstand, or uh, you, and he used that sound like throughout yeah. the start of the yeah. movie in the score. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that's what it would have been. Hey, I same. It was I was like, like a what is countdowny sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, same. But again, it was like just so terrifying, and you see like this skin like flapping on a girl's off, face, yeah. and another woman's like laughing, and then she's crying. And I just think the whole thing was just like, yeah, you're, you're tapping into the anxiety that he would have just had for all of it. Um, such a like terrifying scene, I think. And again, like another type of emotion. Like we just had this like, you know, like different type of anxiety yeah. with the Trinity. Well, test it's like elation to deflation. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? 
It's crazy. Just so crazy. And we've talked about the quote, now I am become death, make, uh, destroyer of worlds. What about the first time that that's <laughs> in the movie? Yeah. Uh, when <laughs> when, when the film finished, I said to someone, I was like, that is not how I expected <laughs> the quote to be said. Um, With the Sanskrit book covering yeah, her yeah, breasts. Read it. <laughs> Fucking read it now. Uh, look, yeah. I don't know what to say about her performance. Like, there wasn't really much to it. Besides her Florence giving him that, uh, yeah, Sanskrit. Uh, she thing. had a good like the when they meet up again, and, and he's he checks on Kitty, and he's breaking up with her. Like yeah. she had a good, like, yeah, cry, she's great. Good Florence, Florence Pugh is great in everything she does. Yeah, just, she I, just, I just, it's just like another really good actor in this movie that doesn't mm. have a lot of screen time. Yeah, doesn't yeah. Have a lot to do. Yeah. Also, I didn't. I obviously had heard rumors about like the sex scenes and stuff, but I didn't know how much like um, sort of romantic sort of plot there would be mm-hmm. as part of the Oppenheimer story. And I think like to see this like. Uh, physicist genius like we've seen him at university and stuff and then we finally see him in like a social setting at the communist party where he meets um Florence Pugh and just to see him like sort of like lock eyes with her and like they don't even talk and then you can just like imagine how he's able to like win her over well correct me if I'm wrong as well but don't they also um allude to the fact that he had another affair Yes, with, with the, the blonde yeah. wife. Yeah, yeah. With the blonde, yeah, the other yeah. blonde the wife. The older woman. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's all just to put his character in question and at the end you're really just like, is he, like, would you have renewed his security clearance? Like, probably <laughs> not. But, yeah. like, I don't think he was ever, like, a spy or anything mm. like that. Yeah, but, I would have but, renewed it. But, but these relationships were more so just to cast a shadow over what he did. Mm. Yeah. I think um, it just goes to show how complex his character was like he's a genius he's able to like um be a bit of a risman we saw later when he's like <laughs> he's flirt <laughs> he's flirting <laughs> risen armor he's flirting with uh kitty by talking about physics and he yeah. like grabs I mean, her hand and says it's like the atoms, particles yeah. like blocking each other but then like, they come together nolan loves throwing in those scenes that kind of just explain to the normal person like mm. the very complex ideas he's trying to show in a movie in a yeah. Film. yeah yeah, yeah. But like I just the, like the marbles, yeah. The hands going through mm. interstellar with the the paper. Why? The paper, why? Yeah. Like, uh, it was probably a silly question, <clears throat> probably an easy answer. But why were they progressively putting more marbles in those? Um, I think that was glass the plutonium they were because they needed to mine for it. I think or whatever the mm. so whenever the they army a whenever amount. the army was giving them more plutonium, they were just like, yeah, we're closer to. Yeah, and when the bowl was full, I think that was when they had enough to do the bowl because mm. uh, they were saying we need to fill this container. I thought it was like more worth. like they were getting like further in their theories and like that's how I. I think thought a bit it. of both. I was yeah. a bit confused though. But yeah, I yeah. Agree. I think it just showed like progression and. Yeah. Yeah. Also, by the way, to jump back to how Oppenheimer died, um, he died of throat cancer from smoking. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. My Love boy. Dart. Sixty-two. <laughs> Let it dangle. Oh really? For too yeah, long. That was a good life. <laughs> Let it dangle. Age sixty-two. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What do you think sixty-two meant? Nineteen sixty-two. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Interesting. What about um, smoked sixty two CEs and it got him <laughs> just sixty two. <laughs> That's sixty second one, bro. <laughs> um, another thing we talked about how like contrasting his character was. So again, referencing this great review that I liked, um, they talked about how the IMAX cameras, which um, Nolan and Hoytema have used it a few mm-hmm. times now, but this was the first time it was done in black and white and also um, color. But um, it, I think it really was like such a great use of the camera because you know on the one side of it we could see these amazing landscapes of like Los Alamos and see the scale of things 
But then we can also see the really like close ups of all these characters, and there's so many like faces, especially Oppenheimers. So we see like Oppenheimer in all these different, um, uh, let's call them activities, like and personas that he plays, yeah. like lecturing and like rizzing up chicks <laughs> and whatever. But it just like was able to be contrasting it all in like different ways. Yeah, it's not lost to me how they use colour for the first like all like it's it's very um optimistic and you're leading up to the creation of the bomb and mm. then as soon as the bomb's created black, every, and, white. black and white after. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you're you're dealing with the aftermath mm. of what you just created and like essentially like killing the yeah. future of the world. Now I've become death the destroyer of worlds. Like everything's kind of lost its colour, lost its promise, lost its lost its optimism mm. and everything is like tight Tight camera, tight angle shots yeah. on the face. Like a lot of it is, a lot of the, like essentially all the black and white scenes are all the hearings with with Oppenheimer and then all the hearings with Robert Downey Jr.'s character yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nolan said in the lead up, so the color scenes are subjective. So like they're open to interpretation. Like they would, the color scenes often are with Oppenheimer, and you never, you can never really know what happened. Yeah, black and white scenes are objective like they know like they know this is exactly what happened yeah Yeah. it's because it's like the case and like they've obviously got notes on all of that Mm. yeah um maybe not some of the behind the doors strauss stuff but and i I thought it was interesting like the first time you kind of see um strauss walk up to oppenheimer with einstein it's in black and white and you kind of see it from robert downey's perspective he didn't know what happened Mm. and then at the end it's in color because like this is what Oppenheimer said that Einstein said to him. Mm. So I thought, yeah, it was it was interesting how he kind of left that little bit to the end. It kind of tied the whole movie together, mm. even though it was like a tiny little conversation. I, I, thought, I thought he wasn't going to come back to it because he loves being ambiguous, yeah. Nolan. So I'm glad he kind of tied it together. I just yeah. thought really it, was, it was really satisfying. So I just satisfying. thought the way he showed it, I was like, this is classic Nolan. He showed us like half the story and mm. now he's going to tie it up. And then yeah. he linked it with that final scene of like Oppenheimer finally getting like a medal of merit like from the US government. <laughs> Medal of Merit. Medal of Merit. I'm going to recommend it for the Medal of Merit. <laughs> um, I just want to be on record. But, but that's yeah. like Einstein said like like they'll they'll throw you like it'll take years but they'll throw you like a parade or they'll mm. they'll you know celebrate and you, you and they'll forgive you but it won't be for you it'll be for them and then Emily Blunt just death stares Fucks the fuck out of Benny Safdie. Well so it's like satisfying. it's like when he goes when you spoke speak about Gary Oldman's character when he's goes to meet with the president and um, Oppenheimer goes, I think I have blood on my hands. And then Oldman leads in and he goes, you're not, you're, people won't remember you. It's phenomenal. You're not the one who dropped the they bomb. hands him the handkerchief as well. I, I'm the one that dropped the yeah. bomb. And um, on the way I'm out, he's the like, oh, they're going to remember me. And he goes, yeah, I'm get this. Was it? Get cry this cry baby. Cry, yeah. Don't let that cry baby back in. Yeah. yeah. It's just so Didn't good. Didn't make him feel any better. No. Just back on like the IMAX thing as well. I think <laughs> Nolan has used it as like a tool, definitely like for an immersive film. I think he first mm. used it for The Dark Knight. And I remember he he's always made like a massive deal of it. I think like half of it is also a bit of marketing. Like oh, we're using this awesome brand with big cameras. Yeah. Um. I thought using I like this movie definitely did not need to be an IMAX. Like it's so personal. But I think the fact that he's used it here really resonates with me more so than all the others. Like the big blockbusters and stuff. Like it makes it feel that much more important using mm. these seventy millimeter films in black and white that they've never used before. Yeah. And you hear about how it, like the film for the IMAX film in 70 millimeter for Oppenheimer is like 11 miles long and they have to <laughs> like, you know, transport it around Crazy. everywhere. Like it, it gives the story all that weight and like importance because yep. it is so important. And I think Nolan has just thought of all these things like so well. Yeah. Just it's, it's just like 
in the lead up, he always uses these like hyperbolic terms and like the whole cast has gotten behind him as well. Mm. Like Oppenheimer's story is the biggest story imaginable, like stuff like this. Well, he and says he says he's, he's the most important person to ever live. Yeah, like he, all, all this stuff. Like he, I'm just a sucker for Nolan. He knows how to sell me his movie yeah. and, and he got me again, except this time I have no shred of doubt that like this is a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, there's so much more to unpack, but uh, Nick... The other team member of Cinemas has he's currently in Europe, but he's Have you saw seen it. it? He's, he's in, seen it. He saw it in, in Germany, Berlin. the, the Berlin. place of Heisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he wanted to send in a mailbag, so okay. let's hear what Nick has to say. It's a weird-looking mailbag. <laughs> well, you can say off Wiedersehen to my clean underwear. I just saw Oppenheimer on opening day in Berlin. What a treat! What a film! Um, the ending absolutely terrified me. Um, little bit slow. I mean, it was like, in some parts, I mean, it was long, very, very, very long. It was holding in a gigantic piss. I felt like the Hoover Dam holding in all this urine. Um, Ludwig Göransson once again proving why he's ranked a crisp number two, soon to overtake number one. I, you heard it here first as the best music uh, film composer of our time. Um, performances: Robert Downey, wow. Killian Murphy, wow. Literally everyone else, wow. Um, fantastic flick. Definitely a step up from Tenet, I would say. Um, can't wait to hear what the boys have to say about this on the pod. Still alone out. Off to Bergheim. <laughs> well, that was Nicholas. Great. That was so good. First, first thing I must say, I this is a term one of my favourite podcasters, Bill Simmons, uses in reference to like WWE. I think Ludwig has the championship belt at this mm. point. I, I think he is... I don't know, man. I think he does at this point. Oh, right like, now? The belt like the belt is something you have at this point. Like mm. You are the current champion. Ludwig is that guy right nah, now. No, no. Hans is still Hans there. had his nah. belt maybe five years ago. What about Dune? That was two years ago. Yeah, but Ludwig... Created, Ludwig. created instruments. He's, also, he's nah. also coming at you end of the year as well with Dune Part 2. Yeah, but right, right, right now. Smoke get I am a giant, right now. I'm a giant Hans guy as well. Yeah. Make no mistake. I think Ludwig, with everything he's doing, you think doing, it's a it's a it's a live ladder. It's a live ladder for sure. It is. And it's not wins, fixed. Wins <laughs> losses <It's> not fixed. <laughs> For and against. Yeah. No. I definitely. Ludwig is doing more. Yeah. I think they're going back to back in like a seven game series right yeah. now, like trading blows. Yes. Because did Ludwig have Black Panther two as well? Because mm. he did yeah. the first one. Yeah. He's oh, done Black Panther. He's actually, done Mandalorian. Yeah. He's yeah, done. Yeah. Just had Tenet, Mandalorian. This Tenet, year. Tenet, currently Tenet, in the past like year and a half. Tenet is a great score. Tenet is an incredible like. Soundtrack that is very unique, mm. as is this one. Yeah, I think they're both incredible, and it de- I definitely agree. I think it is a belt. I think there's some other contenders in there, like you got Michael Giacchino, Batman, yep. great score. Nicholas Patel, Succession, Giacchino did um, the third Spider Man. He Tom did Spider Man as well. Um, yeah, who's, you got who's the, other guy, goats? That, who's the guy that does um, the Game of Thrones ones? Uh, Ram- oh uh, yeah, Ram very Jawari hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very hard name to pronounce. Yeah, hard name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you got heaps like Thomas Newman, Alan Silvestri. They're all still oh, kicking, Thomas but great. Um, yeah, 
Definitely got the belt. This okay, one, so comment who's got the belt. There's a current belt, but like over the course of the career, like Hans is up on Ludwig. One yeah, billion yeah. percent. Yeah. 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 One but billion percent. Let's, yeah. One billion actually, percent. Let's actually talk about the score because since it's come out, I've rinsed it. I literally yesterday didn't listen to anything else. Did you say you got three, three times? Nah, five in the end. Jeez. You listened yeah. to all of it five times. <laughs> Just wow. On repeat. And yeah, my brother did like three in the office. It's, um, it's just so big and we get it in like different um, gravities. And I read this thing that Ludwig chose like the center of the score to be the violin because it can sound very like tense and there's a lot of tension to it. Yep. And that's like who Oppenheimer is. He's like trying to, um, you know, be this like external cool character, but then sort of has all this inner turmoil. And then the way that uh, Ludwig adds on this like massive brass, like getting really deep into it, but um, adds no. in this like massive it's brass element yeah. where, you know, during the Trinity test or in the ending, it just gave you chills and you were just like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I, th- I think like listening back to it, it's over an hour and a half long, I think mm. as well. Like probably yeah. one of the longest soundtracks yeah. we've had given how long the movie is. Um, you can definitely, th- there's like the key kind of score to Oppenheimer and then there's all these other little kind of avenues that he goes through like it feels very like theory of everything imitation game at the start like mm. this brilliant kind of guy a bit of like piano stuff like that and then like it kind of goes into the, the scarier stuff towards the end and then like that last kind of third of the film the soundtrack is genuinely unhinged yeah so insane and I think it also, because like you said, it's so long, it's like nonstop. You talked about that before. It felt like the score was in every scene. Uh-huh. This movie is very dialogue heavy, but uh, for me, it didn't feel like it was overdone. And I think the score helps that. Helped that massively. Yeah. Definitely helps propel the movie because when there's no score, like sometimes you kind of just like, it kind of feels like the movie stopped in one spot. Mm. But the score just continuously goes. Yeah. I think that's what made that first two hours just fly by. Mm. Yeah. Was it was it you or maybe it was my brother in in our like chat we've got said that the more I listen to this score, it's like the the more I think I like this movie. Like yeah, even though you're not watching it again, you're just listening to it and you're going, wow, like I really like this a, yeah. like a lot more. Yeah, I think just because you remember these scenes that were attached to it, and it just made you think of it more. Like I think again. This is like a history story and that could be pretty plain and ordinary, but to add this score that just elevates it and makes it into this massive, insanely like intriguing thing. Yeah. And insanely. that's, yeah, no, it is like, and, it's insane. Yeah, and that's what a, you know, a score is meant to do. It's meant to act in service of mm. what's on screen. And it, it certainly does that. Yeah. From yeah. Like, Thankfully the sound mixing in this film is much better than Tenet and you can hear Oh, the yeah. dialogue. dialogue. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. If, if it was like a tenant sound mix yeah. and you couldn't hear anything in that three hours, you'd be like, "Sorry, what, what? Sorry, what I'm yeah. trying to work out what fission and fusion is, but uh, <laughs> there's Ludwig blasting brass yeah. instruments in my ear." I think there's still some criticism that you couldn't hear the dialogue in some parts, but I didn't. I didn't feel that. I, I got it in some bits. At the start, I was thinking that I was like, oh, "Like, what did he say?" Yeah, I yeah. was. Tr- I was trying to understand a bit more, but yeah. as it went on, I probably got used to it or it dulled yeah. down a bit. The counter to that is. Like, Nolan obviously likes realism and making things real. Like, you know, we got the delay of sound from the bombs, which mm-hmm. would be real because you're at a certain distance. Which I didn't think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. But, yeah. Like, like, oh, the bomb's done. 
<laughs> I just sort of yeah. be a loud bang right away. <laughs> yeah, like again, like you might not hear these conversations again because they're subjective and you don't know. But I think it was much better than Tenet in this one for sure. Um, what do we think about the uh, like landscapes and the sets and? Production of the beautiful bit of horse riding as well mm. in the desert. I thought it was yeah, just gorgeous. Created and their own little town. Hoyt Van Hoytema, I mm. think, is the probably like the best guy working on. Yeah, definitely with IMAX cameras. Well, like, mm. well, nope. he, he, yeah, well, he did Nope as well, and so those Los mm. Almos, um, oh yeah, very kind of like that. Very yeah, the landscapes yeah. very similar to Nope. Yeah. Mm. What do we think as well about uh, this? Is a very different <laughs> topic to that, but. Um, I guess like the writing and editing. Um, the editor is Jennifer Lame. I'll just read out a few things she's done. Manchester by the Sea, Hereditary, Midsommar, Marriage Story, Tenet, Ooh. Blonde, interestingly. The, um, oh, uh, the Ana de Armas, Marilyn yeah. Monroe. Yeah, we've seen that. Uh, Black Panther 2. <laughs> and That's a movie. Oppenheimer. So great filmography. I great rem- filmography. I remember going into Tenet, there was a bit of like, there was a story about how she's really only done these very small indie movies. Mm. And then she got put into easily one of the most confusing movies ever made in Tenet. Yeah. And yeah, I think she she's even stepped it up again here. The, the story, as we said, isn't told chronologically, but no, she just nails the way it... Not chronologically and insanely fast paced. Yes. Mm-hmm. And three she, hours. Yeah, she's got her hands full. There. Yeah. I think... Again, referencing my review, it just put it perfectly. <laughs> they said on the editing front, she, towards the very end, uh, we obviously talked about how there's little plot devices that don't really get addressed until the end and there's characters that get their moment. Like at the very end, they were skipping between time frames and yep, point of view within seconds. Yeah, I agree. And you still understood it. And yeah, I yeah. think that just shows how great the editing and was. And like revealing lines that we hadn't heard before that he kept silent, like mm. when he's talking about... Um, how he humiliated Strauss in front of the like board about yeah. creating the H bomb. Yeah. yeah, I think you really see the the filmmaking and editing come to fruition mm. in the last in like the third act in that last yeah. hour. Yeah, and I love. I was saying this to Angus in the car. In the car, um, I love when movies end on like a a bit more of a climax and yep. like a a massive note. And obviously, like the score statement. helps that. Yeah, um, rather than just like sort of like a. Um, I don't know what you would describe it. Like, there's so many examples. Let's use The Dark Knight Rises, for example. Like, kind of yeah, ties yeah. it all up. Just like a nice, happy little, like, you know, and it's just like, yes, okay, so satisfied with that. I think to do that with editing and with everything that's happened is just so amazing. And again, you were satisfied with the ending, but also, like, once it went dark and, like, said, filmed by Christopher Nolan, I was like, uh, there was like, we're going to go into nuclear war. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's ever finished a film that isn't with a proper, am- like, ambiguous. Mm. Like he's like he's finished it with a message this time. Yeah, and I, it was very clear, very clearly conveyed in like mm. those last few frames, both with like the world on fire, and then it finished with Killian's eyes. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, wait, yeah. it finishes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like Albert um, has that conversation with yeah, Einstein. Albert like walks off with the says, and then he's just staring away. He, he says, like, "Remember how I told you." you there was like a lesson. Like there the was a close to zero percent chance that we would, you know, destroy the world. Yeah. He's like, "What if? What if I already did?" Mm. And then it zooms into his face, and then he's like in like his little plane, and there's all these like ah, uh, that's right, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yep. Yeah, the flame across the world, yeah. Yeah. and then it goes back to his face zooming in. That it and the score is just 
blasting. It's just <laughs> Man, I genuinely was like, holy shit, we're going into nuclear war at some point. Like, it's over. Yeah. It, it was it was something that, like, it just added so much context to, like, everything we'd watched in that film. Yeah. Knowing what Einstein told him, I mm. thought it was just such an incredible way to finish that film. Mm. He went ahead and built this bomb even after what Einstein, like, said to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is just insane. And I think even to make, like, a simple uh, chat between Oppenheimer and Einstein and, like, with Stross as well become such a conflicting event. Like, for Stross, he'd sort of been, like, belittled by, like, not being able to chat with Einstein and, like... No, just just because they didn't lock eyes. Yeah, exactly. Strauss was just... Triggered so instantly by that. Yeah, triggered, exactly. And that created, like, that ripple effect with him and how he sabotaged Oppenheimer's, like, political career. Uh, Again, just, yeah, the ripple. Um, Just insane ending. Yeah. I was just blown away. Uh, Going, like, you did briefly just say, like, um, before (laughs) you said editing, you were talking about writing. Yeah. Um, I think this is Nolan's easily, like, best screenplay and probably Mm. his best direction to date, I think. I agree. I think... um, Back to my word, Christopher, and how it's a culmination. What sort of elements of the writing do you think came into this? Because you obviously get like a bit of a memento, like sort of non-linear, but then, you know, you can see like interstellar, multiple sort of timelines, same with Inception. I think he's just played with all these things and it's just come together. I, th- yeah. I think what's Dunkirk I, as well. I think what's definitely worked in his favour here is that it is adapted and mm. when he kind of has to do the whole writing himself and go nothing off. Like we know Tenet was just like so much exposition. It was Inception as well. Inception as well. Bit of Interstellar was also like that at the end. Mm. I think he was able to really craft like interesting conversations and with the help of like cross-cutting and everything, particularly in that last third, Mm. you just got like tension in pretty simple conversations, but it was more so how the film was kind of cut together. Mm, 100%. Especially with like, you know, the, the whole third act is like you get the um, Kitty interrogation payoff, you get the Rami Malik payoff, you get the, um, what's his name, Aaron... All, you get all, all the Aaron Rick, yeah. yeah. You get Han um, Solo, Han Solo. Opening, <laughs> opening, opening the door to the reporters for Strauss yeah, payoff. Yeah, he just like fuck smiles Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Han Solo fucking destroys Iron Man. It's great. Yeah, so you got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Freddie Mercury does the engineering. <laughs> you got fucking Han Solo. Um, the review, again, referencing, he said, non-linear movies like this one do a better job of capturing the pinball machine motions of human consciousness. And again, at the very end, you get all these things and just come together thrown at you thrown at you and you just emotions Mm. are blasted in every different way i'm gonna pivot to like after this movie and later in the year uh or early next year Mm. so like oscars i think um killian definitely gets a nod for best actor yep yep um like if you can think really quickly off the top of your head what was like your like like the best scene you thought he acted in I, I i can go first it was that when he found out that um Jean had killed herself. Oh yeah, oh, and the then that he was in the, like, forest in the forest with the horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like on on the ground, it's and, like and Kitty's like cheating her, and Kitty's like, "You got to get the fuck up." There's like what everyone's relying. You, like, you can't yeah, pull yeah, yourself. You together. can't have sympathy for doing your something sin, your sins. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, I thought it was the rev up speech. Yeah, I he's was able say to that. he's mm-hmm. able to say these things to capture this audience about like Japan and Germany losing, but he's like also just like just like sort of 
having a seizure between every yeah. like sentence. I, th- I think it's definitely the totality of the entire film as opposed to having like a kind scene. of one yeah. Oscar speech. Yeah, but just humor me here, Spo. Come on. Hey? <laughs> no, but I, I don't even I don't even know if there is one that like really stands out. Like even the one where Emily went and rescued him from like when he was all noised up after yeah. after her death there. I thought like that was really good. But again, like he just didn't have like a big monologue or anything that mm. like usually those big Oscar performances have. Yeah. I think yeah. from start to finish, like, like, you know, I think he should be nominated. But he just yeah. didn't have like and also a his Siggy work as well. They should do an Siggy award work. for best Siggy smoker. <laughs> his, best Siggy smoker. <laughs> his weight loss I thought was just so subtle. Apparently he was eating like a piece of celery a day oh, for the whole filming, yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Also the um on that um, sorry, you you say your scene and then I'll oh, I t- I thought my my favorite scene was the the scene where he has with um with Matt Damon, so General Groves' character, mm, yeah. when he, as you said before, when he's trying to convince him to oh, yeah. to let him lead the Manhattan yeah. Project, and he's getting all like so many ideas in his yeah, head. He gets that, the, yeah, gets the blackboard out. And I just think I think Matt Damon is so like charismatic as well, and he can yeah. do a, he can do a scene with anyone in the world. Yeah. So I just I love that scene. So good. I also like the scene where he's rising up, uh, Kitty. I took some notes there. <laughs> um, you learn about you're gonna learn about fusion and then start explaining <laughs> it to girls. To, oh, to be man, fair, explaining. He, to be fair, his scene with um his scene with Gary Oldman actually might be oh, so good. Yeah, that, standout one for seriously. him as well. Yeah. I think he just realizes what it's just all in his eyes. Like he says so much with his face. And that, and that's the thing, like he lost so much weight, so his face is just so like you can see his bone structure yeah. and his eyes, so his eyes just pop out his of his head. Pop. Yeah. It's crazy. Even even his brother, um, I only remember him from being in, I think, You season three on Netflix. He's like some like young teenager who gets with uh, uh, Penn Badgley's like miso. Um, anyway, but he lost a lot of weight too. So I think they both they had this like gaunt look about them. And yep. um, one thing I wanted to ask about, what do you think of the makeup and hairstyling? Because we had so many different times. Yeah. And it was so like... Well done. I thought I it was, think. yeah. So at, like at the start, it's kind of like to show him like to make him look like he was like mid twenties or something. He had kind of like the, kind of like the longer curly yeah. hair, frizzy, yeah. the frizzy hair. Yeah. And then when he gets to Los Salamos, he's kind of got the clean cut or like a little bit longer. And yeah. then when he gets to black and white, he's mm. like fully gray. Looks yeah. like he's lost way more weight. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like pale bags under his eyes, mm. more wrinkles, more way yeah. more wrinkles. Like it was, it was subtle. The, yeah. yeah. But but like it, it clearly indicated I, what time period they were in. I actually yeah. just thought of something too. So with the weight loss of him and his brother, and there was probably a few other characters with weight loss too. Um, when they skipped to Robert him, Downey weight loss for sure. Oh, skipped, no, but when they skipped to him getting a medal, he still got the yeah, weight yeah, loss yeah. and yeah. stuff. So they're they're obviously haunted by the decision they made to create this bomb. Mm. Benny Safdie's character, who oh, wanted to continue thick. on with the H bomb, he's thick, he's fat, so like he has no remorse. Mm. Like, it's <laughs> a good point. He's yeah. been eating well. He's, he's just been, been eating vaso. <laughs> always, yeah. always, always skeptical when like they try and make everyone look, look older. Old, yeah. yeah, and I, and I, yeah, Emily like, Blunt looked really I, weird. I don't think you can ever it. really pull it off. Nah. Like, it's like, of the, like it's the, the end Harry of Harry Potter, Potter yeah. bro. Oh, <laughs> like, it's so bad. I, like again, it's like <laughs> it, that's what made me really think of a beautiful mind as well. Because at the end of that, he gets his Nobel Prize. He does his speech. Yeah, and him and um, Jennifer Connelly are both like aged. So and I think they did that really well. Yeah, and uh, like I think you just got to let that let it slide to an extent because you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, couple of yeah. Actually, on that, I think awards wise, Robert Downey could Downey, be nominated. Yeah, hundred percent. Emily Blunt, maybe. I just don't think enough. there's. I just don't think there's enough. Like yeah. it, it kind of depends she on. She was what, very good. In yeah, every she scene was. She I was just in, think it. I just think it depends on as well what happens mm. with the. Do rest they have of the like year. parameters in the Oscars where it's like 
a certain amount of screen time you have to fill? No, no. no. Like Ju- um, Judy Dench won for like 10 minutes of screen yeah. time for wow. Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. What do you do? You think that this could be Nolan's winner, director or picture? It's, uh, it's tough though. Like you got you got you Scott, know what's coming this year. So you got yeah. Scorsese making a movie could be his last. So you got David Fincher who's making his first movie in so long. You've got and you got Denis with and Doom you've got, too. You've Fuck. got Napoleon as well. Too. Got, oh, yeah. so got, so oh we talk about that trailer before. Man. The movie? So you got Ridley Scott. So you got you got like five living legends there. Yeah, that's and insane. you've also got Greta Gerwig with Barbie. Barbie, yeah. So and that that's going to be a massive commercial. I think she get yeah yeah. I, th- so, I think he definitely gets a nod. Like he, he I yeah. think he's a lock for it. He'll get a nod. I actually don't. I don't reckon he'll win. I think Killian no. could win Best Actor though. If Leo doesn't pull Leo, it off, Leo, Joaquin, mm. like we found out, like when is Napoleon coming out? November. November. November, November yeah. Chalamet yeah. might. Chalamet may get a nod, but it may get delayed. He he just screams in June. I don't know. <laughs> Man. Who knows? Who separate knows? Shut separate, up. separate chat. Shut that out. <laughs> June part two will be. Uh, I've got a three blokes. So I can easily level. trigger here. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a Timothy <laughs> defender, don't worry. Um, as as we like know, and we've spoken about this on like other episodes, it's like a long race and this is coming out quite early in the yeah. Oscar race. Yep. It really just needs to maybe have a lot of momentum now, be like really popular, and then it'll have to pick up closer mm. to the Oscars. Yeah, but I think It's always tough yeah. with that. I think all those five films coming out like in peak Oscar season is quite dangerous for now. The, but then again, Everything Everywhere All At Once last year came out at the end of March. That's true. Right. So you know what I mean. Like yeah. it can it can happen. Also, I'm pretty sure Elvis came out pretty early, it's, and came the out whale came out right at the right at the end. Yeah, yeah same with like Tar, and that picked yeah. up a heap of awards too. One thing that I think could help them is that you got Damon and Blunt and all the cast saying how amazing yeah, big Killian star, was. Big stars, big stars, big director. It's yeah. going to make a They're lot of money. They're all giving hype around. Yeah. The thing Killian. is though, with this strike, it's like you're not going to have those people for that's a while. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a true. good point. Yeah. Get your shit together, studios. Yeah, Pay your actors it. and your writers. Yeah, yeah. listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few other quick questions of stuff that we haven't talked about. What do you think about the scene where they're just sitting in the chairs nude in the hotel? I said on my review, I'm going to cosplay as Killian Murphy sitting, <laughs> sitting, sitting naked at a lounge in his lounge chair. Go what, do that so as Halloween. Just, just cross your legs. The yeah, whole time. He's yeah. Just, Killian's just. What about in the interrogation? Killian's sitting there and well, it, like, just imagine like, like from behind the scenes. Action! Flores <laughs> just jump on him, bounce on him. <laughs> Florence, more. bounce more. More sweat. <laughs> Can we get more sweat on Florence, please? <laughs> Killian, get skinnier, please. Do you reckon they actually had- Killian, the cross whole... your legs when you're sitting down. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. The whole prosecution room looking at- Nah, in. I doubt it. I really? Th- it was, very, it was very zoomed in. I, I just reckon like- I, That would have yeah, been so unnecessary. Yeah. You got all these men in a room and yeah. you just- No, Emily, Emily Blunt's behind. Going, you go, girl. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Get yeah, off my I, husband! I, that I, was fucked. It was a crazy scene. But I wonder but, if like that was the CGI that he but used. But Spoh said to me when we were driving here, like he's never like I agree. Sex scene. Well, never said like Nolan's really never done that before. Yeah, I don't think you do CGI. You just split the frames. Like, mm. look, it, it, yeah, you just have the camera in the same spot. You film those guys like watching nothing, and then yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You film it the other way around. Yeah, yeah. I think it was definitely definitely like mixed feelings on those kind of hallucination scenes, particularly mm. that one. Something he's never done, and it, and it all just shows. looked at each other. When I liked it. it. I liked the like the, the, the speech. <laughs> I like the speech scene where he steps on like the burnt corpse. I like yeah, the, yep. I like you know bringing in that um, that sex scene into the courtroom. Mm. Like yeah. it just plays into the you know emotional toll that Oppenheimer's life's had on himself and the the people around him. Like because yeah. you can see Emily Blunt's character like 
when they're talking about the affair, like mm. she's so noised out. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they definitely laid the ground. Like I was very surprised that even at the start of the movie, they'd given all these flashes of like what Oppenheimer envisages like mm. these explosions to be. And I thought, Im- imagine if you didn't have those kind of like little visions that he had for you to just have those like Florence hallucinations, like yeah. without a bit of context. Like agreed, he's clearly like he clearly like daydreams and does all this. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, th- I think it. Played massively into like understanding his thoughts and his his psyche, his, yeah, big time. Um, another quick one. Uh, what do we think of Doctor Rabi, played by David Crumholtz? You might remember him. Oh from yeah, like ten things I hate about San- you and Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah. who's his mate? Yeah, he's his yeah, mate, the fatter one. Yeah, the, like Jewish doctor who like defends oh. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. He, is he the character. guy in Fantastic Wait. Beasts? The, no, 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 different guy. Just different. F- <laughs> no, that's Different chubby guy. <laughs> that's um, that's this Zach. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was Doc Ock for some. No, that's reason. the guy from Crazy Stupid Love uh, from Fantastic. No, it's not. No, it's no, not. it's not Josh Gad. No, it's not just Josh similar Gad. similar builds with similar features. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was yeah. good. I thought it was really yeah, good. Yeah, I really liked his character. He's like, eat. Yeah, come on, eat. eat. Yeah, but also there was that period where Opp- everything was going bad for Oppenheimer, and he was like one of the only He's people defending him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, fuck. I th- I we, we, were, we were talking about this before, like when um, Oppenheimer was wearing the army uniform around mm. yeah. and he kind of just like talks him out of it. Like you're a scientist, like dress like it. Yeah. But he and also wasn't going to come to Los Alamos and then he convinces Oppenheimer. Yeah. Was like, yeah. He's like, I need you. But we, Costi touched on this thing um, where it's like, get into your scientist uniform and it does like almost like a George Clooney Batman little montage like of Batman up. suiting up. Yeah, like he puts he his like hat looking out the window and then picks up your pipe. <laughs> and, then he's, and then he's walking through the streets of Los Alamos and everyone's like looking at him. He's like, yeah, this is- like, I'm, 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 I'm a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last one. What do we think about the little JFK reference? He's the one who voted against Strauss 2-1 to yeah, get Kennedy, one. John F. John yeah. F. What's his name? John, John F. Kennedy, Kennedy. John F. Yeah. Uh, Any thoughts? Use your real name, Robin. It was kind of, (laughs) that's what it felt like. It was kind of like an Easter, like a weird Easter egg. egg. So I don't know if like, same with the, with like the, I don't want to call it a suit up scene, but you know. It was a suit up scene. Was Um, it satisfying though? I, I, not, not JFK I specifically, a, oh, but a little it was 2-1 winner. Oh, I was yeah, like, Because yeah. of Rami Malek's speech. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was satisfying that, you know, Downey Jr.'s, like, Strauss got his comeuppance. Mm. But, I mean, the fact that it was John F. Kennedy, I thought, like, if... Yeah, not I thought that was interesting. Oh, I mean, if that's how it played out in real yeah, life, story. Um, then, yeah, sure. I just yeah. think the way he dropped it is so Nolan. Like, it's yeah, just like, who was it? And it's like, oh, yeah, who's it going to be? <laughs> yeah, the real I, name, Robin. I was thinking like, it was similar to when... Um, Dark Knight Rises, you're like, oh, you should use your real name, yeah. Yeah. Robin. Robin. And it's like, oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I was like, there's going to be another one. Yeah. Yeah. So the Oppenheimer universe <laughs> is being created. Yeah. Yeah, that's so I don't, yeah, I don't know if he's been ironic in that way, like yeah. looking back on his fucking superhero career, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other final takes? I wanted to ask, so where does he sit in Nolan's filmography? I did my rankings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guys, before I think, we go. I think there's a lot of recency bias here, but I think it's top We're three. G- just Locking. for reference to the listeners, we're all getting our our, the great <laughs> except, apps up. Except for Mike, because he's a loser. Uh, so, yeah. My, uh, mine's four. And mine is four. Mine goes Dark Knight, Interstellar, Inception, Oppenheimer. Interesting. I haven't put it in yet, but I would probably say... Um, Whoa. <laughs> Yours is so much different than mine, Spo. I would have it fourth. I would have it fourth now, yeah. So my, my f- I would probably go Prestige, Dark Knight... 
Inception Oppenheimer. Is this better than Interstellar for you? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's better than Interstellar. Mm. Yeah. I think it's hard it, to rank it again. At I least also for was me. looking at it Oppenheimer mm. versus Dunkirk, and I was like, I don't really don't know how to See, distinguish that's tough, the two. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Mm. it's tough. That, yeah, yeah. I, I just think I just think if if these movies are the same and the characters and and everyone is incredible in them, what separates them <laughs> is did he land the plane? Like actually putting a cohesive story together, and for this, I think he did. There's no questions. There's no like, what what is mm. this behind the bookshelf shit, man? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a good like, point. Yeah, like he nailed it. Love, can, I think love can transcend any dimension. Like, it's also yeah. cool. Like, it's also cool. <laughs> Come on, all, man. Look at his filmography. They're all so good, and we all have different lists because it's just like what what you it's enjoy, what they mean to us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what you what you um what really grabbed you. I can't even say. <laughs> I can't even say. Uh, what, Sorry, what, 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 what resonated? resonated yeah, what resonated? What connected you? Yeah, we got there. Got there. Not coming back. No one has. Wait, so, so no one has insomnia. Like up on the I haven't. Top I, haven't I haven't seen it. Yet. You, me, and so I've got. You can't watch it got, anywhere. Yeah, same. Yeah, I've got Prestige one and Dark Knight two, and Spo's got it the other way around. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are basically the same, but yeah. I think, and like, I think, I think, going from like three to. Three to five is is where there's going to be all the difference in Nolan yeah. fans, and it's just it really comes down to like you said, what what got you the most? Mm. Dark Knight Rises is a mess of a movie. It's just still all enjoyable. It's, it's good. It's, it's, enjoy- it's enjoyable, but it's just all over the place. Mm. I think it would be hard to rank because this has elements of all of those other ones. Mm. So, so where does it rank for you then? I don't know, and I don't hey. care. <laughs> It's great. You're just the host. You don't have an opinion. <laughs> no. no, I fucking loved it. I think it's too recent to call. But again, this is probably why I don't like ranking because I just love those top five you all said. Like they would be in my top movies ever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I wouldn't yeah, want to compare top them ever as well. because they're all great. And they did different things to me. Anyway. What do they do to you? <laughs> they, they, they grab you. <laughs> Where do they touch you? <laughs> they they, they go- grab you in the heart. <laughs> No, I just I just think like it is a bit of recency bias, but like Nolan for me has always been someone who's like stuck in his own way a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But I think this film he really made less like made less mistakes than he has in the past. Mm-hmm. Like on, on a learned. lot of the things he gets kind of um you know, made to look bad for. Yeah. Tenet Tenet twenty twenty. Tenet so I don't think is years. as bad as everyone thinks. It's like yeah. probably one of my favourite movies. I think it'll it'll vintage long as it gets older. For sure. Um. Yeah, I'm already. I'm already really excited for whatever he does next. Like, yeah, oh, can't wait. So, hopefully, oh, so hopefully, it's not a three year wait. So back on the Oscar thing. Um, Robert Downey best supporting. Yep. Killian best actor. I don't know about sound. females in the film. Sound. And I think everything basically. Sound design. Yeah. Oh, that gets nominated. Yeah. yeah sound yeah. cinematography. Yeah. Whether or not it, whether or not wins, we're gonna wait. Wins like we're gonna wait till everything maybe else editing. Comes out. Editing could win. I think editing should. Have a really good and then just score and then yeah be score tough. will be up there but it's going to be tough with June mm. and everything um, sound like yeah yeah hundred percent for sure I guess All the so, bomb so that sounds. just reminded me like remember when everyone was calling for Denny to win best director after June one and it was just like just wait like June two is going to come out June two will be and there and then sweep everything yeah so I'm kind of worried about Denny. I think, mm. but also just I think Oppenheimer is like off. the sound was such an insane element of the movie so like it mm. could actually beat June because there might not be. Like there'll be silent scenes and stuff. Like Denis didn't even get nominated for directing for Dune. Yeah, it's it's one, bad. Which is ridiculous. It's bad. Yeah. Far out. 
Anyway. Big year for cinema, though. And one thing we haven't talked about, I think it's actually great that there's this whole Barbenheimer both coming Fantastic. out. Like, we're all seeing them both it's this incredible. weekend. It's so good to get Spoh people did back Barbenheimer. In. You did it, yeah. It's It was like the best double feature you could ask for. <laughs> yeah. And, like, before this, there's been this sort of lull period, like, obviously Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones and stuff, but not everyone's going to see those, even though they're big franchises. A lot of, like, we're, we'll see everything. A lot of the casuals are, like, going to... The, to the yeah. movies, which is good. And people want these original new movies. That's what I think is incredible. It's original to an extent. Fucking Barbie's based on a toy. Well, that's you know what, what I, I, that's what I think's amazing <laughs> Have you about seen it yet? Barbie. No, but it's based on a toy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not well, original. <laughs> no, but I'm not trying to be a, a downer. No, no. I, what I'm trying to say is like not a trilogy. Yeah, like yeah, not yeah. A, yeah. yeah. But like also, when have you seen a movie based on a toy? Like, really? GI Joe. There's there's a <laughs> Transformers. Transformers. Yeah. There's just a lot <laughs> all, of all great. Films. A lot of lot of toy. <laughs> lot of lot of toy video game films this year. Yeah. What's well, yeah. like it's like Gran Turismo. Yeah, Gran Turismo. They just put an IMAX logo on the new Gran Turismo poster. <laughs> get that out of my face. You like get that off. You've got air. You got you got air. You got BlackBerry. You got a movie about the flaming hot Cheetos. Tetris. You got BlackBerry. You got movie movie about the pinball machine. It's the product year. You got Tetris. You got Twisted Metal. That new TV <laughs> shit TV show on stand. No one's gonna watch. It's fucked. Yeah, um, um, baby beanie or whatever it's called. With Sarah right. Snook. Baby beanie. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I know yeah. some product. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, anyway look. Great year for cinema. So listen to Cinemates. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cinemates. Make sure to follow us and leave a review on your chosen streaming platforms. Also, check out our Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube channel for more Cinemates content. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge Australia's First Nations people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land and pay respect to the Camaragal people of the Eora Nation upon whose country Cinemaze is based. We honour the storytelling and culture of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities across Australia. Also, in the spirit of chatting with mates, remember it's always important to check in with those around you. Whether it's friends, family or colleagues, sometimes they may be going through a hard time chatting with them may reassure them that they aren't alone if you or anyone you know is ever struggling call lifeline on 13 11 14.